Aquaman was just like, nah, I'm giving everybody a one-two combo today. I don't want to quarterback <laughs> nothing. Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Champs. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. This season, we're getting whelmed for DC's greatest sidekicks and covering every episode of Young Justice on... Yeah, another DC animated podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC animated podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year. World-famous hypnotist Paul McKenna released his special, The World's Funniest Hypnotist, where he hypnotized 10 people willingly into doing whatever he wanted and also started his own show, The Paranormal World of Paul McKenna, where he solved X-Files-like mysteries across the cosmos. And finally, also two years before he was sued for causing (laughs) someone permanent mental damage due to his hypnotism. (laughs) This man was granny goodness without the math. (laughs) He settled. He settled. Uh, Okay, good. Good, because I was just like, "Woo, that's a lot of money you about to lose, sir. (laughs) Yeah, no slander here. He did settle. So you make your own opinions, all right? We're not (laughs) saying we're for or against Paul McKenna, just what kind of year he had in 1996, all right? (laughs) Mind-bending year is is what I'm going to call that one. Um. But speaking about people who are all about hypnotism and mind control and, you know, unlike Slade, from, <laughs> um, we have today. Oh, actually, Slade does make an appearance. I completely forgot oh, yeah. about that. <laughs> uh, today, we are continuing our coverage of Young Justice Outsiders. We are well into the last set of episodes for it. We still have a couple more to cover. Do not worry, because we're only covering today episodes 22, 23, and 24, titled Antisocial Pathologies, Terminus, and Into the Breach. Uh, wow, this might be from these titles. Sounds like a very science math heavy set of episodes we're going to be covering today. Mouthful to say. Antisocial Pathologies. Was, I was like, what is this title? <laughs> I'm surprised. I've been practicing that all day just to make sure I got it right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, timing of these episodes take place between January 22nd to 26th. Uh, so in the span of these four short days, so much went down. Yeah. And because we have so much going down, uh, there was addition, subtraction, um, multiplication, division, I think. I, I, <laughs> I was very confused about one part in particular. Um, figured it might be best to call this episode the new formula. Mm. Everybody who had to who's dealing with that new math, we're here with you in spirit. <laughs> this is for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now our cast list is going to be pretty short, um, mainly by which I mean the people who I'm going to be lifting up because literally everybody and their moms was in this one today. <laughs> yes, because we have the full original team has returned. Um, we also have the full, more or less, the Justice League is here. We got the Outsiders, the Covert team. We got almost every villain. It's wild. Um, but these two individuals first haven't really popped up in a while. So first off, we're going to start with the voice of Clank from Ratchet and Clank. Uh, it's also the voice of Megatron from Beast Wars. Uh, not the Transformers movie that recently came out, the animated series from back in the day that inspired that movie. 
And finally, once again, we've mentioned it before, Arisham from the Eternals, as we have David Kay, who's returning as Ralph Dibney, the elongated man. Finally. Wow, we've been waiting long, long enough. Right. I mean, we were just I'm trying to think of something with stretch. And I think my this joke has become a stretch. I'm gonna move on. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, we have a big name thrown at us today because the voice of Ultra Humanite. Yes, this is finally a chance you get to hear this gorilla do something other than grunts. The voice contributing to Ultra Humanite today is Greg. Weissman, the showrunner, creator of Young Justice here today. I mean, interesting way to throw yourself into the show, but, you know, get in where you fit in, you know, that's what they always say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So because we have so much to cover, including um, I'm assuming is some new math, uh, let's jump right on in as ZetaTube over to the beginning of Antisocial Pathologies. So right away, Granny Goodness is here According to the light of everything that's gone down recently. And as they're scheming, we learn that now there's a battle over who gets Halo. Because right now we know that Ultra Humanite and Helga in the last episode were talking about Halo. But it looks like Dark Side wants Halo more. So now there seems to be a fight. Ultra Humanite is like, I'm called Dibs. And in response, Vandal Savage is like, well, too bad essentially, but he doesn't seem particularly happy about it. In any case, uh, they agree to have let Granny Goodness get Halo at the end of this deal, and elsewhere, Tara's walking down a street at night um, on one of the most sus streets in Los Angeles, <laughs> and she gets snuck up on by our old friend Slade Wilson. Yes. Uh, unfortunately for her, all that combat training that she has had did not Helper in this case, luckily for her, Slade is has arrived more so as a friend. Uh, actually, I take that back. Not a friend, more as a disgruntled parent, because he is quite upset over the fact that Tara has not been sharing information with him about all the things that have been developing. She shares that these were developing situations, so she felt like it didn't need any kind of reporting to do because she wanted to get all the details. And Slade tells her, "Come on, don't 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 do that. You know." exactly what I need to know. Don't try to lie to me because it sounds more like you're just trying to lie to yourself. And this is now this beginning stages of where we're seeing like Slade is understanding that there's a possibility that his top you know, person here, this person who he has used as an infiltrator upon the team might actually be swaying over to the side of the heroes. Um, and he reminds her what, everything that he has done for her, how he was the one that saved her from Legit, this, I realize this. We never probably said his name before, but this is Henchy. Uh, <laughs> that's the name of the henchman <laughs> who originally kidnapped her um, when Brion was out partying in London. And this is where we get like a good set of flashbacks where we see like how she got kidnapped because Brion was out partying and um, Henchy had killed basically the entire security squad. So this is what makes sense now for why Brion's always been so upset about like what happened to Tara. Um, but he shares that like he Deathstroke shares that he was the one that saved her from that situation so that she didn't end up like one of these other regular metahuman teens that have been trafficked and trained her in this way. So he tells her that he's always always be straight with me. I'll always be straight with you. And he gives her something and tells her to use it just in case. Meanwhile, we hop back on over to Hollywood um, 
more so the, the tower, the new headquarters, where Dick Grayson is once again still feeling the effects of the expit from the previous episode. But now he's surrounded by everyone that he loves, such as um, Bruce Wayne, Barbara Gordon, Alfred Pennyworth, and Tim Drake. As Helga JC is monitoring the situation, telling them that um, Dick's temperature is spiking, so they need to get him some ice so he can cool down. Yeah, and I, honestly, I think this whole situation could have re- resolved if they just brought some Vicks. I think that yeah, was the key. Like nobody thought to get the Vix. Right. That's why he was struggling for get so long. For Dick. That's all. Yeah, yeah, that, come on, quick. But uh, things are really going bad because Bruce Wayne is there. Yeah. <laughs> you know things are going pretty bad, and while um, they're trying to figure out what to do, we also see that Jeff is pretty much fine. You know, he as a metahuman had a different effect and they do confirm this later, but I, I thought it was pretty, pretty nice to have that parallel that Jeff is pretty much completely fine, but Dick is seriously affected by this and other things are developing in the background. We find out there's a competing super team called infinity Inc. Mm-hmm. That is going around and raising in social media popularity. The rest of the team, the outsiders specifically are eating pancakes. <laughs> and I just kept thinking <laughs> of that meme. <laughs> Dick is dying and you're eating pancakes. He's dying and you're eating pancakes. Um, <laughs> but luckily, Halo's there to call everybody out. And they're like, basically, what can we do right now? Except eat pancakes. We can't really help. He's being taken care of by the Bat family. If if they can't figure it out, what can? Who can? And I do like this little moment of like where Brion goes, hey, is Bruce Wayne... Dick's <laughs> father, because why is he here? And they quickly just move on to another topic. <laughs> um, but after we get this nice scene of the team together and talking about what they're going to do, Black Lightning notices that everybody in, in that's left at the tower is talking except for him and Superboy. And he looks and it's like everybody that's talking is pretty much a member of the Bat Team plus McGann and Aqualad, Aquaman. And then all of a sudden, all the sparks, he has a brain blast and he calls out, he's airing everybody out. Yeah, it is. It's it's not as comical as that scene from 21, 22 Jump Street, um, because you could tell that Jefferson is clearly hurt over the fact that he, despite everything, he really got swung right back into it all. He starts thinking back to when Batman retired from the Justice League, when Dick recruited him on the team, the moment that um, especially was like almost like pretty much right after he had turned down Batman's offer. And this all starts coming together when he remembers from when they were at Gretchen Good's house that a bat drone had flown by. So when he starts saying this, he realizes that like that this is the team. The team is everything that was led by Batman. And they have been doing everything in their power to work behind the scenes, doing everything that he has been against by working against the law because he realizes that, like, Batman's team, especially because it's like a bunch of all of his people, have been teeing them up on so many cases, especially lifting up the outsiders. And this alerts the rest of the outsiders, specifically like Beast Boy and Tara, who's also listening in, um, that they've been played this entire time because. Uh, Barbara was the one that was sending them reports because he realizes that like this was I did like this one comment though 
Because Jefferson was just like, nah, Dick sounded too logical when he was explaining something. I was like, hold on, did you just call my man stupid on his deathbed? <laughs> he's like, the boy wonder, he's, he's got a fantastic athletic abilities and he can fight, but he ain't that smart. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, boy, I wonder where his brains be at <laughs> But as this is all happening and he is just yelling at everyone here and, and some people are trying to calm him down, we do see that Helga starts walking over to Tara, who's listening from the top floor again, and she places a control chip on the back of her net and tells her to just quietly follow me. At this point, we do see that Vandal Savage is, because while this is all going down and everybody's been trying to explain themselves, Vandal Savage is looking back in his base. He is like looking at this monitor and he realizes a boom tube opens behind him. And then he walks on through for a conversation with Darkseid. And we're left unknowing what's happening because we do have to hop back over to Helga, who is now leading Violet to a car. And Violet is still questioning what is going on because everybody's upset. Yes, and in the back seat is Tara and Brion, and they seem very happy to be there, very calm and docile. And Helga is just telling them, hey, we found a cure for your disease. Yay! And I told Brion and... Tara, everything. Yay, let's go. And, you know, Violet is a little naive, but we can forgive her. She was born like a few months ago. Mm. And <laughs> we see quickly in Tara's head while this is all going on, she has a flashback to Slade, who is training her brutally. And in the fight, she loses her cool and starts to use earthbending. And he says, yo, yo, we were just fighting with both staffs. But I like that. Because we don't fight fair <laughs> around here. <laughs> and so she smiles at this memory of not fighting fair. Meanwhile, back at the tower, Superboy and McGann are fighting again. Because once again, McGann kept things from Superboy under wraps. Um, and at the same time, Beast Boy is also finding out that this was all fake. Uh, so he finds out that all his win- wins we're basically fake with the outsiders, except for Condiment King. He has full credit for Condiment King. That was all his. And this is nicely paralleled um, with the, the question of this was for the mission. This is all for the mission. And what's thrown back in the Bat family's face is what good is the mission if we lose ourselves trying to fulfill it? So there's a real questions going on of, of ethics of what they've done. And while they're debating what's next for this group, we see Halo gets to a f- secret facility and immediately is like, no, 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 no. This looks like a room for Saw. What's going on here? Yeah, because um, as she's looking around, she realizes something very familiar about it. Um, but fortunately, at this moment, this is where we find out um well, at least the extent we find out the extent of Helga's connections to her quote unquote mentor, who has we've was revealed in a previous episode was Ultra Humanite. Um, so Ultra Humanite co- enters the room with Gretchen Good, and this is when Gretchen Good calls out for Overlord, the little Alexa box thingy mm-hmm. that she has, to put a cerebral leash over Violet's eyes. Um, Helga is now. As you can tell, she at this point, she's just like, hey, I, I finished what I need to do. I just want to leave because I just want to take my kids. She keeps saying Brion and Tara. Um, Ultra Humanites just lets her know that, hey, okay, cool. We could do that. 
However, you have to still agree to our terms. And this is when Gretchen steps in and shares that there has been a change of plans. Um, This is where she shares that, like, you know, now that we have Violet, this opens up the door to something much larger and ask Helga if she's curious to even know what that is, what she's planning to do with Violet. Of course, Helga's like, yes, I want to know that inquisitive science nature of her wants to know. And this is when they're taken to the X-Pit, um, where Gretchen Good explains this is a ghost dimension within the X-Pit. It's the very same X-Pit where our heroes were trapped in the previous episode. And they realize, she starts explaining how it alters the mind, the spirit of the body of any person that she wants to correct for being a soldier of dark side. And it preps their brain for reprogramming. However, she realized the flaw of it is that even though it reprograms them to be a soldier for her and dark side, it's mostly out of fear because they never want to go back into the pit. This sense of a free will is always going to be an issue. So she said that after seeing Violet in their last encounter, she developed this theory which she decides to test by shoving Violet outside of the red cube. That's it. That's what we call the Miss Frizzle method of teaching science. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Arnold did not want to go on this trip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Why did I stay in school? Um, so in this experiment, Halo slash Violet protects herself with her Violet aura. And in this moment, Granny Goodness says, that's it. That's the key to the anti-life equation. So as she's happy celebrating this big victory, we um, we cut back to Barbara and Bruce talking alone. And Bruce is just kind of like stunned here. He goes, all we were trying to do is protect them. I just wanted to protect all of them. And Barbara goes, maybe they didn't need our protection. You know, maybe... We assume that they couldn't survive by themselves, but maybe they can. And maybe that's what's so insulting. It's like, yeah, maybe they would have been lost. And, you know, he also goes, look, this is all for our mission, all for the mission. And and Barbara hits him with, is it our mission or your mission? Mm -hmm. So all of this is like, this really is a great, you know, we haven't gotten a lot of one-on-one time with Batman in a while, but this is a reflection of his fear of losing family. And you can see that he sees Jeff and the kids as family of some sorts, even though he keeps them at a distance. So his fear of losing any of them is driving all of this. Like, can he protect all of them by just lying to them? He has no problem doing that. If he rather than, you know, lie than be dead. So it's a really good scene between the two of them that really puts Batman thinking about what he's done and how he's approached this so far. We cut hard back to the X-Pit where we get a full explanation of how Violet's powers make the anti-life equation. And honestly, I felt like I was in geometry class in the 10th grade (laughs) at 9 a.m. I had no idea what was going on. And I was just hoping this would not be on the final exam of life later on. (laughs) Yeah, it's a... Very, it's a lot. It's definitely a lot. I'll try to. I, basically, what happens is that Gretchen Good shares that because of Violet's purple aura that heals her automatically, it 
sends it, it it creates like a bubble i guess like a bubble that keeps people safe from feeling the true pains of the expit and mostly leans into it's like I guess it's more reprogramming abilities because from from the past we've seen every single person who's ever entered the expit they've gone through this excruciating pain where their body looks like they're being like um, Thanos snapped or something and this is when Gretchen also shares that like because of that this is the key to the anti-life equation which she explains to Helga is a formula of life without free will um, so and in order for it to work it had to be tested so she shoves Helga out too. And this is where we see that Helga is now experiencing this pain. But hearing the pain, Violet starts sending her aura over to Helga so that she can kind of still be in this stasis portion of herself where she can answer questions from Gretchen. And this is where, once again, Gretchen kind of explains some more stuff about the anti-life equation, how like Metron put in some fail safes for non-organic mother boxes and father boxes allowing them for the uh, it, math science terms i maybe <laughs> i don't know anyway she starts asking gretchen gretchen starts asking helga if she has any secrets that she would like to share and at first helga is very resistant to wanting to confess these things but she shares that she's only ever wanted to pre- to protect brion and tara because they saw her as her creations um when she explains how like Baron Bedlam first abducted Tara and brought her to Helga's lab. And when she had put Tara in the tar, that that tar that we saw in the beginning of our season that transforms that or rather activates the metahuman gene in individuals, she realized that Tara was no longer the Markov's daughter, but Helga's very own creation. So after that, when Baron had taken her daughter away, she has been plotting this entire time to try and get her daughter back. So the only way that she could see about doing that was enlisting and manipulating the help, ma- manipulating Brion into helping her so that he could get tested for the metagene and then eventually activate his own metagene, thus making her son. So Helga has some things she needs mm-hmm. to work through. So she should see a trained professional. Oh, yes. Because um, these are not her children. Um, Far from it. <laughs> Um, so she re- also reveals that she made, you know, after she says, I made Brionne essentially to get t- Tara back, she mentioned Gabrielle. And when she got Gabrielle after Gabrielle was um, nearly executed for being a witness, she gave, she couldn't find a metagene. So she gave Gabrielle a fatal overdose of morphine. And then everything with the mother box happened where the soul went into Gabrielle's body and upon discovering that um, Violet wasn't her child uh, in her definition of the word that she didn't have a metagene she wanted she was willing to get rid of Violet right away so that's why she took the hair sample to confirm if Violet was a metahuman or just had the soul of a mother box <laughs> it's a big just but that's what <laughs> the thing is so she also reveals that she, she seduced Jeff just so she can manipulate Jeff into doing certain things for her. And on top of that, when she found out that Violet and Brion were hooking up, she's like, that thing is dating my son? Hell no. So she comes up with the lie that Violet is dying to isolate her from Brion and to push Brion away. And she did all of this in the hopes that she could make more kids. 
uh, more metahuman experiments. So yeah, Helga is deeply unbalanced. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> and after dropping all of this, um, they go back, they leave the X-Pit, and Granny Goodness asks, Helga, even though you're out of the X-Pit, would you still do anything for me? Even though you hate me, she's like, yeah, I, actually, I would do that for you, Granny. And right now, it looks pretty bad because Granny Goodness has all the pieces. She has the Markovs. She has Helga Chase. She has Violet. But Human Eye goes, girl, you show you talked way too much on this one. I am leaving. So he takes Jace. Granny gets Violet. And it is revealed that Slade might have thought ahead. Yes, because we do see that uh, Slade never actually trusted Granny at all. Or rather, certain parts of the light never trusted Granny at all. So he gave her an anti anti-control chip <laughs> or wait, no, I think it's just anti-control chip actually yeah. at that point um, so and he gave it to her to put into the palm of her hand this counteracted the effects of the, the standard control trip so now Tara jumps into action she rips off the control chip from Beyond's neck which I gotta say must have looked painful as hell yeah um, <laughs> And the two of them immediately go into action. They Brion starts creating his like circle of magma while Tara uses her powers to lift the platform up to try to see if they can take them down. Gretchen just calmly orders Violet to protect her. And this is when Violet opens up Boom Tube, transporting them to both away. And Ultra Humanite uses a father box to transport himself and Helga away while Brion and Tara just now stay in the room alone, trying to figure out what the heck just happened. Um, next, we hop back over to the building. Jeff has finished his, like, I don't know how long he has been yelling at these people <laughs> for, but it was morning. He started this at night. <laughs> um, now he's sharing because at this point, Dick has come out of bed. Um, he He's not 100%, but he does want to take responsibility for everything that happens. So he lets Jeff yell at him this entire time. And as he's getting ready to leave, he's asking around, like, yo, where's Helga at? Um, Garfield shares that she left with Brion and Violet since last night. And when he's about to leave, Brion and Tara start walking in. And this is when Jeff is confused because he's like, why is it that the two of you are here and not Helga and Violet? But before we get that answer, um, we have to hop back over to another conversation with the light where Slade is sharing everything about what he did to make sure that the light prevails. Yeah, and sorry for my boy Jeff. He is struggling right now. Um, So Slade reveals everything, and Vandal, who is normally very composed, is clearly pissed that he got played and does show it. Um, So now it's also revealed Halo has been taken away into the middle of space, to serve Gretchen, Granny's goodness's aims. And this is also where we see Granny goodness meet Gretchen good, mm. two separate people. And they are now, looks like they're going to do some evil twin team up. And to make matters worse, at the end of the episode, now that Tara has seen the team fall apart, they're arguing, they're lied to each other. She decides, you know what, Slade, whatever you want me to do, I got you, boy. And on that note, because <laughs> that's that that's a lot of antisocial pathologies. So <laughs> now it's time 
for Terminus. Yeah, so we begin Terminus. I learned that Terminus is an SAT word of mine for today. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, With Guy Gardner, basically the entire Green Lantern crew, um, shout out to the boy John Stewart, who's always flying through. Uh, (laughs) They're all flying towards the orphanage, and they're trying to use their green power rings to trap the base inside of a construct. Uh, Another great moment of science here at work where there's no sound except for all of them talking with one another. So showing that they have some kind of technology that allows them to do so. Uh, Elongated man is flying with a squadron of ships. I think it's the most I've ever seen an elongated man ever do. (laughs) And Wonder Woman is um, leading a squad of her own where she is teaming up with like the heaviest of hitters of the Justice League. Because we got Superman, we got Martian Manhunter, Captain Adam. Icon, they're all coming through because they all wanted to get, give Gresham Good the work for everything that they've done that she's done. But the main goal is that apparently there are a bunch of metahuman teens on this orphanage that they need to go and rescue. Unfortunately, though, our cold open here closes where the anti life equation is activated and ensnares the Justice League as Granny Goodness is just laughing at seeing how the anti life equation has been a complete success now. Yeah, and things are not much better on Earth because we see that Jeff is uh, is really in his feelings. It's like he's in the middle of a Drake music video. He is crying, <laughs> um, basically. And uh, But there to comfort him is Static. Um, and Static does offer a hot dog. But Jeff can't enjoy that glizzy anymore because he remembers that time with that that paycheck and that child support, he could only afford hot dogs for him and Helga. So he can't even eat a glizzy in peace. And... Oh, bad heartbreak. <laughs> Some of us have had that you can't even enjoy a hot dog. Like, uh, yo. <laughs> his whole life is just upside down. And again, the team is in tatters, but they, based on their technology and what they have access to, they assume Violet has to be off world. So, they're trying to figure out who should go. And Nightwing pulls up, still sweating, still on a little weak on the knees, but he's ready. He says, I've recovered well enough. This is a team matter. We need to go and take care of business. Um, so Nightwing agrees to go on this mission while McGann has a, another very dense conversation with Superboy. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's tough because, you know, this is a nice callback to what happened with them during season two. So uh, Connor and McGann are talking mentally um, over the mental plane. How does she ever does it? Uh, the psychic link. Forgot. That's what it was actually called. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he's quite upset about her working secretly with Batman's team, especially behind his back. And McGann tries to defend herself, saying that, like, it's they needed to do something. The league was losing the war against the light. And he, he says, I understand that, but this is why our team was formed. What he didn't understand was why McGann went along with it, given the last time that they experienced such a betrayal like this within the team, it led to her brain-frying Aquaman um, after Artemis had faked her death. And she tries to say that, like, I, this it's not the same. It's not, my intentions weren't like that. But he hits her with something that we haven't heard in quite some time, where it's just like, he, that she doesn't get to choose what it's like because at the end of the day, the lies that she's sharing here are very similar to the way that she was manipulating his mind back when they first broke up. 
And it's very similar to the ways that she's acting back in um when the when everything was happening with Artemis's death. So the only thing that he can see is the pain that she's causing from altering people's minds in this way. And even though she's saying that, like, I didn't do it the same way, I wasn't up in people's minds moving things around or anything like that, Connor hits her with lies both alter and hurt the same way. So now we're at this point where we don't know where Connor and McGann stand, um, but definitely not going to be in this kitchen because they hear a buzzing from the main room. As Forger answers the call, they run over, and we get introduced to our resident doorman of the DC universe here. First time I've heard this name, but I gotta say, I do like the the reference that they make because it's Kirby Jacobs who informs them that there's a man here to see them. And he says that his name is Vandal Savage. Look, we have told you again and again that Vandal Savage is that one. All right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. He is the number one savage on this planet. And he comes up and comes to the heroes and goes, here are the coordinates. Here this, here's where you're going to find Violet. And they say, what's the catch? What, what do we have to do in exchange? And he said, you know what the catch is? I want you to tell him who sent you. <laughs> <laughs> My God. <laughs> where is his mixtape? Where is Vandal Savage's mixtape? Because it I want so it. hot for this universe. You're right. You're right. <laughs> this ain't no you know Miles track that we could handle. This is a full Vandal Savage joint. <laughs> Hashtag oh, sponsor you know Miles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So while Vandal Savage is out here dropping them heat and them coordinates, um, the team gets themselves together. Of course, you know, we're trying to figure out who's going to come through. McGann's like, all right. Obviously, we gotta get thirteen, and I was just like, "Why? Who's thirteen? Why are we picking her <laughs> up?" <laughs> thirteen is a magic user in training. She's it's revealed that she's over by the Tower of Fate. Can't get in contact with her, so they get the next best thing, which is Nightwing offering his spot and being like, "Yo, I'll come through. I may be weak in the knees. I may be sweating with like a low grade fever, but I'm gonna still make sure to let <laughs> Granny Goodness know that Vandal Savage sent the message." He's like, I can still do more work than Guardian ever did. So right. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry about it. I got this. And along with Nightwing, we're also going to have Aquaman come through because Aquaman's just like, listen, I've been on the sidelines for too long. Jeff had called me out last episode by saying that, like, I, how my big bad Aquaman game take down in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> and so not even this, a good one. Not even said. a good Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> so this time around, I'm going to come also and make sure Granny knows who's about to give her the work. And... McGann's just wondering, like, okay, since Aquaman's coming through, uh, who's leading the team? And he says, listen, I'm back up. You go ahead and do what you need to do. And I love this line because to me, it just meant that Aquaman was just like, nah, I'm giving everybody a one-two combo today. I don't want to quarterback <laughs> nothing. <laughs> He's like, I'm too busy throwing hands to be giving out instructions. All right. Yeah. So <laughs> everybody take care of yourself today. So um, before they go on the mission, they also break, decide to bring in a few members of the Outsiders as well. Um, so Brion, of course, volunteers. And Superboy goes, yo, Brion, when we go there, can you keep your cool? Which I think is hilarious. Yes. That Superboy <laughs> is telling somebody to keep their cool. And 
Nightwing looks at this conversation and he goes to Superboy and goes, I like this. I knew you're a leader material. And Superboy is like, no, no, that's all you, boy. But what kind of leader do you want to be? And that one question just really pierces him because, you know, there's always a question of like, is Nightwing becoming too much like Batman's negative qualities mm-hmm. in media? And I think that is how you do it. Titans, mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's how you do it. <laughs> um, so they go into, they boom over into the coordinates they were given. Brion gets to lead the beta team to go and find Violet. Meanwhile, Aquaman and the rest of the original team sees that um, they are going to set up and play defense, essentially. And they realize the Javelin is here, but they don't see any League members. They can't reach any League members. So what are we going to do here? And they don't have any time to really think because right now they just got to focus on getting into position. So everybody gets into position. You do see that Nightwing is a little feverish right now. And after we get the blackest fist bump that this show has ever seen, it's time. <laughs> it's time for the fight to begin. <laughs> uh, but before it does, we do see that uh, the B squad here, they're trying to make their way over to Fire and Halo. Uh, Forager notices that there's some people coming their way. As we see Guillotina, Lashina, members of um, Granny's um, Furies, as well as an army of parademons. And most importantly, the scariest of them all, Mantis, the dude that set Forger running like he was the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> He's like, listen, I don't understand how Mantis could leave their world and join alongside with the Apocalypse. The uh, the well, the 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 evil people. <laughs> um, uh, this is when Tara looks to him and says, like, listen, under anger, people will do the craziest things. Um, so as we as they continue on with their mission. Um, we do see that they, the team now, the original team, are now coming face to face with Guillotina, Lashina, and this army of parademons. Um, everybody's fighting. Everybody's taking on somebody who they feel like could be their top competition so they could finally make their way through with the whole goal of trying to make sure to distract them long enough so that the rest of the team can make their way over. Um, Aquaman and Tigress are taking care of parademons. We see that uh, Miss Martian is fighting against Guillotina. Superboy is taking, taking down Lashina and Mantis. And then we see that Nightwing has some bombs that he sends out. Unfortunately, because he's still so... Uh, he's still feeling the effects of what he used to be feeling, even though earlier in the episode, which I, I forgot to point this out because I love this line, my man said, I'm feeling whelmed, I'm feeling the aster, and I'm feeling one last thing. <laughs> Because he was just ready to get to work. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then he gets attacked by some parademons that pushes some crates on top of, top of him. And when he gets out of the crates, he sees a hand reach down to him. And it's Wally West Kid Flash smiling at him and letting him know, like, come on, man, this is it. This is the big time mission. You know I had to be here for this. And we see that all around him, Nightwing is seeing everybody in their, like, season one youthful age when they were all first joining this team. And Kid Flash is just joking along with him um, and alongside the team. So they decide, like, all right, this the only way we can handle this is the way we handled it back when we first got together. And that's blowing things up, people. Making it explode, as Bane would say. <laughs> and um, so they, Robin hacks into the Javelin 
and is using the missiles to fire at the parademons because don't count and kill those people. And so they're playing, they turn it into a game where Robin and Wally are competing to get the high score. I would not be surprised if this was actually a flash game at some point online <laughs> on the Cartoon Network website. And they're having fun. They're trading quips. And right when they get to a good point in the battle, everyone else on the team comes up to Nightwing and says, hey, we kind of was part of your fever dream over the psychic link. So we saw that. We saw that you saw Wally. And Nightwing goes to Artemis immediately. It's like, I'm so sorry for making you experience that. And Artemis goes, you know what? Wally's always at our side. He always will be and gives him a hug. And that it it's such a great moment. Brings it back to the original. It it does this is to me one of the moments where really his loss hits that Wally is not there. This is the moment for me that really sold that. And you know, adversity heals Nightwing and I I love this brilliant parallel because essentially, yes, violence did help Nightwing heal. Meanwhile, Jeff seeing his kids, seeing his family, that helped him heal. That's how he got back to normal um, and was able to overcome his inner turmoil by seeing the kids, by seeing what he does it for. Um, And, you know, he won't stay there for long because Jeff doesn't like taking care of kids, whether that be static or his (laughs) own daughters. But um, (laughs) back over, Brion finally finds out that his life is basically Lion King because his uncle killed his dad and took the throne. (laughs) Yeah, because um, our B squad here, they uh, they come face to face with Granny as well as Halo, who's still under the control of the Cerebral Leash. Granny rips him a new one, honestly, tells him that, like, you know, join up with me and I can, you know, help you. You, you honestly are just here trying to find, trying to be a prince and you're looking for your princess. This is basically what it is. This is Lion King. This is a little bit of Mario, a little bit, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's a lie. Um. This is when they are trying to figure out what's the next stage. But this is when Granny reveals that she does have another trick up her sleeve as Martian Manhunter appears and cuts off the psychic link that the three of them have with the main team. And now Geoforce is trying to stop all of this. But when Granny has a Superman, there's not much you could do as he tosses the three of them to the side. And this is when the rest of the team is trying to head down the corridor because McGann shares that she did feel her uncle's psychic touch for a brief second coming from Brion. So now they're telling, they're realizing that the only thing that they can do is probably try to brain fry every single person once they reach the control room, which Superboy is quite against. But Miss Marsha says it seems might be the only way to save the universe at this point. I also do have to mention that they stole the bad guy's scooters. Uh, oh, um, right. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> y'all did not have to do that, but I do like that y'all taking a page out of Vandal Savage's book and learning how to be savage, too. <laughs> so at the end of this debate, McGann says, I am prepared to sacrifice my soul if it saves theirs. And that's what she does as she goes into the grand room and activates her ultimate brain blast technique. How especially, I don't know why, but how looked like he was dead. Like how especially, because <laughs> they do show that the humans in the room, the Green Lanterns mainly, are really having a tough time with this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because non-meta suffer more. And I do like that Brion tries something and Superman just goes, sit, sit down. Yeah. Sit down right <laughs> and you saw the sizzling from when he tried to warm up and Superman was just like, this is basically 60 degree weather for me. Sit down. <laughs> yeah. We see Icon briefly too. Um, nice to see Icon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's all I do, Brian. <laughs> that, is, that is it. <laughs> that is all. And unfortunately, it is all too late. Granny Goodness is able to get ahead and everyone in the room is completely taken over. She, she activates an X-Pit and everyone in the room is taken over. She declares this the age of Darkseid. And before the credits roll, if you hadn't been painting pain enough, we see an image of Wolf sleeping at Kid Flash's feet. Yeah. So now that we have closed with that, there in particular, we do have to enter the breach of this next stage, this Age of Dark Side, with our next episode, Into the Breach. Um, I almost started saying Into the Thick of It once I heard this <laughs> title, not gonna lie. As we do get a little cut back, we I guess we go back in time by a couple minutes or a little bit before this mission, where we see that Beast Boy receives a text message from Mish Martian. And it's saying that they they know about what Halo's whereabouts are and to wish them luck in rescuing her. And this is when Beast Boy texts luck. To which Victor states, really, that's all you're going to say? And when Beast Boy hears that, he's like, wait, how did you know what I said? I'm We're on different sides of the room. And this is when it's revealed they're in the bioship. They are the unofficial Gamma team of our crew today as the outsiders have banded together. And Victor starts to explain something that I, I've been trying to debate if it was better done here or in Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> uh, yes, because Vic is, he has, you know what happens if you pay the full price for cloud storage? They actually, <laughs> like, you actually learn to harness the cloud. And that's what Vic is doing here. He is, he is the cloud, essentially. And he explains that he basically can go, he's better at the job than Batgirl because he can go into anything. He can go any computer, anything digital, and essentially become it. So we see that he has scanned good headquarters and he found something suspicious. A building with no Wi-Fi. No. That's something shady's going down mm-hmm. there. So um, the team of Outsiders, minus Virgil because he's still with Jeff. Um... Pretty sure Jeff would have understood if he yeah. came along for this one, but okay. <laughs> and um, Vic boots them in, and he was supposed to leave, but Vic says, Halo has helped me so many times. If this can help her in exchange, I want to see what I can do. So he decides to go on the mission, um, and this starts a really good series of scenes. Um, Kid Flash checks the whole place, Twice. Twice. He has the time. Um, but he missed one thing because Vic realizes, reveals that everything is not what it seems. Yep. The whole building is a lie. Uh, because as he starts setting out a sonic wave, I guess, to counteract the technology that was being emitted from this apocalypse in tech, there's this huge apocalypse device in the middle of the room. Um, Kid Flash jokingly starts asking, it's like, you know, what's going on? Why is it making this sound? I kid you not, that's exactly what he does in the <laughs> yep. episode. Um, 
And Victor states that, like, hey, you know, I think I can talk with it. And again, Kid Flash asks, how do you know how to speak? It's 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 dumb, but it got me. <laughs> it's everybody in Star Wars to me, you know, when he's like, I speak droid. It's like, do you? I don't hear you beeping. Um, so as he's about to try and go and speak with it, a portal opens up underneath their feet and drops them into an exit. And now they're just all screaming in terror and pain. But while that's happening, we have to hop on over to a more important character, I guess, at this time. Lex Luthor, who's trending the polls in his office of Infinity Inc. versus the Outsiders to see who's the most popular. And at this point, he makes a phone call. Thankfully, this is a short enough scene because our heroes are in danger because El Dorado is on the bio ship and he hears on his comms about the how the team is suffering. So he teleports directly into the X-Pit. That's some G-level stuff, man, man. Yep. Like that, I, whew, he was like, I don't know where I'm going, what I got to do, but we get it out. Unfortunately, I've never seen a bigger L this entire season than El Dorado's <laughs> because the moment he gets there, he's like, oh, I can't actually get out. Uh, 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 let me let me try something else. He tries a few times. He can't actually leave. So he actually creates the situation a lot worse. Um, <laughs> so while he's just struggling, Granny shows up. I mean, Gretchen Good shows up and says, Beast Boy, look, I could leave you in this x for hours, but honestly, I want that smoke. And you're the only one that can provide it. So Beast Boy goes, bet. Let's go. So he gets a box. So they get that one-on-one. So they could box one-on-one. <laughs> and, <laughs> and unfortunately, Gretchen lifts because she is throwing around Beast Boy in every animal form like it's nothing. She is putting the hurt on this boy. Like, she is going beast mode on Beast Boy right now. Ooh, and <laughs> <laughs> while Beast Boy is just literally fighting for his life, um, <laughs> Cyborg says, you know what? Nobody's coming. I got to do it myself. And he finds a way to digitize himself. And in this digital world, he sees himself as human. I didn't mean for that Digimon reference, but there you go. <laughs> yes, I was about to say he's about to fight against Overlord, Mon. <laughs> <laughs> um, Because that is exactly what he's doing. Um, Overlord clearly shows that he be eating his Wheaties. Um, and as he grows to this monstrous size, to start taking down Victor here. Beast Boy again is getting the work from Gretchen. Um, she is she honestly is bad because every single time he turns into a new animal, you can see that his eyes are getting closed shut. This is like this is like Rocky Creed, honestly. Yeah. And Beast Boy, he's still trying to get at her because he's just like, you know what? I don't care. I'm gonna make sure that if I'm gonna win, I'm gonna come out this the winner. He even um, morphs his face as a gorilla to look like Gretchen. It is wild. This is the ultimate insult. Um, Gretchen didn't take too kindly to that as she repeatedly starts to whoop him. And as she leaves Beast Boy on the ground, uh, we see that Luthor is back on his helicopter in Metropolis. He is looking over the city. He is looking at images on his tablet of this Infinity Incorporated uh, fighting against Killer Frost. Again, still checking the popularity of this team versus the Outsiders. So now that this is still kind of happening, um, in this digital world, Victor is running from Overlord Mon. Um, <laughs> and Overlord creates a spear and throws it directly at Victor, causing him to go straight through his chest 
and impaling him to the ground. Beast Boy is down on the ground too. Our hero's looking lost, yo. Yeah, and right now, this is the point where Victor is in the world, he's stabbed, but he goes like, wait a minute, I'm not, this isn't real. This is all digital. And in digital, I have control. So who, in here, whoever wants it more is going to win. And nobody wants to win more than Vic. So he he starts fighting back and then he realizes, look, I can't win as regular Victor Stone. I got to get my cyborg form. So in this really beautiful moment of acceptance, he decides to change into cyborg willingly and uses his strength and powers to instantly defeat this overlord, even those in a booyah for good measure. And up on the surface, this breaks completely breaks them out of the ex-pit. Beast Boy turning to Gretchen. She's like, I got lessons to teach you. And Beast Boy goes, you're the one slow of study. And when everybody is out, they immediately try to jump Gretchen. Uh, unfortunately, they can only tie her up for about two seconds before <laughs> she's able to get away. But Cyborg and Blue Beetle are able to destroy the machine together. And just when they're wondering, did we lose this fight? Did we take an L? Cyborg boom tubes straight to Violet solo uh, for a really freaky scene. Oh, yes, because in this moment, calling back to our previous episode where we were introduced to Metron, he shares that Gretchen Good and Granny Goodness, whether or not they are the same, he said yes and no. Oh, we get to see exactly what yes and no means because it seems that they are fusing together here in the most grotesque way that anyone could ever imagine. Like, this... In this moment, I kind of wish we saw more of a Dragon Ball Z fusion. This was <laughs> this was nasty. Um, they're screaming in pain, and once they fall down to the ground, knocked out, Vic starts trying to figure out what he needs to do. He realizes that Halo is the key, so he fires his sonic arm cannon at her. You know, first saying, please don't miss. Gotta take it one shot. Please don't miss. But fortunately, he does not miss, and it knocks off the cerebral leash as she realizes... Now, where she is, she gains her consciousness back. She's no longer under Granny's control. And she realizes that even the, she's been repolarized. So she's got to figure out a way to stop the anti-life equation and also save all the heroes. So she taps into every single one of her auras. Now, I know people are like, rainbows are cool. Double rainbows are better. But I got to say, a halo rainbow, that's kind of fire. Mm-hmm. She uses her halo rainbow and it is super effective uh, at curing all status conditions. And with her, everybody brought out. The only question is, who is giving Granny the work right now? Who is trying to just beat the hell out of this tyrant? And Granny even tries to beg. Violet hits her with that Kamehameha wave. She is not having it for a second. And Superboy even shows up and says, yo, Vandal Savage has a message for you. He says, I'm that one. Remember that. <laughs> and <laughs> um, instantly, I do like how the other heroes just go like, let's blow this up like right now. Let's everything here. Let's blow it up. The Green Lanterns contain the explosion. Um, and as Violet and Brion make out very graphically, mm -hmm. uh, I might add, uh, it questions Superboy to turn him again. 
Um, and McGann goes, where are we? Superboy's like, on this ship. And she's like, <laughs> no, where are we in a relationship? And he's like, I couldn't tell you. Couldn't tell you. Um, so all this tense scene leads up to a very, very scary meeting with Darkseid. Yes, because um, Granny was able to escape, unfortunately. And as she kneels before Darkseid, she explains to him how she was so close. She almost got it all done. Unfortunately, the one that ruined their plans was Vandal Savage. And a nice little call back to what we saw where Vandal Savage first heard that uh, Darkseid had found some trace of the Ant's life equation and immediately started to um, start plotting to try to stop this from happening. We see that Darkseid is also upset that his longtime adversary in this end goal of Earth versus Apocalypse is has done everything he's done in this case. Uh, meanwhile, we hop back over to Hollywood where the outsiders are sitting down. Beast Boy looks more beat up than he did when he faced off against the Condiment King. And he's just upset over this losses because now he's just like, we not only lost everything with this team because we don't know what's going on. We haven't heard from them. But now we also lost Victor. And making a boom of an entrance, we have two boom tubes open up with Victor and Halo walking through with the entire team. And Beast Boy's just grateful. He's just like, I, I totally knew y'all were coming back this entire time. <laughs> yeah, and it is finally some triumph um, because not only did they win, but Cyborg also has the receipts. He has a video of Granny and Gretchen merging so he can trash her reputation. And immediately, Victor's being drafted on every team. Everybody wants that first round pick. But Superboy's like, yo, you don't have to go to this. You don't have to do anything. But Vic says, you know, playing football, I felt good. I want to be in service of a team again. And Brion points out, you're going to need a name. Hot Lava is still available if you want it. <laughs> um, but Vic does pass. And he says, I've been running too long from where I am. Now... I am going to embrace my identity. I am Cyborg. So it's again bringing his journey full circle in his acceptance of Cyborg. And elsewhere, because again, y'all know if it ends too good, something bad has to happen. So it is revealed elsewhere that Killer Frost was being mind controlled during that fight with Infinity Inc. And the other team is being controlled by Lex Luthor, which I don't think should be a shock to anybody who watches yeah. television at all <laughs> <laughs> so now that we've kind of closed out this big scary part of our season here we're hopping into what's coming next in these last set of episodes but before we reach that we gotta of course talk to you all about like that most whelmed episode from this bunch um comic book stuff also trying to figure out you know why was it so grotesque watching granny get together if you need help in in finding a way to forget that image uh, listen to this podcast for the Forgotten Entertainment family that you should be listening to the next time you're not listening to us. Hello there. I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. And I'm Daniel. We're three nerds that met through our love of science fiction and fantasy storytelling. Of course, one of our favorites is George Lucas's signature achievement, Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So here we are with yet another Star Wars podcast, where each week we discuss one of the films in the current Star Wars canon. 
From the sands of Tatooine to the levels of Coruscant, we cover it all. Yet another Star Wars podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Now that we have wrapped up our latest set of episodes here for Young Justice Outsiders, what are you thinking? Which episode had you feeling the aster or feeling whelmed? <laughs> I felt all of them. Um, yes, yeah, so... Because of the math, antisocial pathologies is out of the running, mm-hmm. but it was a very good episode. <laughs> uh, but uh, too much math. Um, so in between these two, for me, Terminus whelmed me the most. I I have a weakness for team stuff, for classic team, classic Young Justice adventures. And this is just about as classic as you get. Not only do you get a reunion of the team, but you do get um, that flashback. You do get, finally for me, the payoff, the emotional payoff for Wally's death is here. And I just do like how all the characters reach the end or near the ends of their journeys. Brion comes full circle. The team comes full circle with who they've been. And we even see Tara taking more of an initiative here. So, and I also do like when it's it gets so dark, you know, it does look like they get ahead the evil strikes back. They get ahead, the evil strikes back. They make these hard sacrifices. McGann sacrifices her relationship in this moment, and the gamble doesn't pay off. Mm-hmm. So there's all this great stuff going on here, um, especially the parallels of Nightwing being healed by violence, Jeff being healed by family. So I think that really put it ahead for me just slightly over Into the Breach, which is a really good episode. Um, I just, honestly, I just preferred terminus i don't really have anything bad to say about into the breach <laughs> it's just terminus did it for me how about you yeah i'm gonna agree terminus did it for me too because um again not coming after anti-social pathology is too much it's just too much i you know i think like it did it would have helped if maybe we got a bit more understanding of what the anti-life equation was throughout more episodes like spaced that out a bit more because it felt like it was just like a, a bunch of here's now we're going to explain this topic to you because it's going to pop up in the test, like you said, in the next like day or two. <laughs> yep. Uh, Into the Breach, I liked. It reminded me a lot of Endgame from um, our season two finale. Um, but that was the thing. Right at Endgame, we had, but then Summit was right before. And and Terminus felt very much like Summit, where it's just like we have this great amount of dialogue. We have these great plot twists. We have these moments of just like you don't know where things are going to fall. And the thing, like you said, that capped it all together was this moment of healing, um, both through the fever dream and through Jefferson going through his own experience of just like um, meeting back up with his family. Because it it was something I feel like we have forgotten about because they were introduced so early in the season. And we just got this chance to see more of this relationship he had with Helga grow while knowing that Helga wasn't really good for him because of what she was planning to do. And the antisocial pathologies kind of showed us that this woman was not good for him at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, Terminus, I think, is the most whelmed episode for me because it also had very strong moments of like what I liked in season one of Young Justice, especially with Connor being asked, like, hey, you should give being a leader a try. He was like, nope, it's not for me. However, have you ever thought about what kind of leader do you want to be? It brings us back full circle. It's just like, we know that um, Dick has grown this entire time, but has he actually f- 
become the leader that he said that he wanted to be or even like the hero that he wants to be because something that came up during the anti-social pathologies episode is the fact that he's still following Batman's orders. Could it be out of fear? It's a lot of parallels to like this expert usage and how Batman kind of operated this whole entire mission. Terminus really spun that on the head and just said, for the person who was really working behind the scenes in all of this, have you truly come to terms about who you are? And I think that this is how they, they asked it and answered that question very clearly in this episode. Yeah. I Yeah. And I do like, yeah, a Dick's journey. We have to remember that he started out so desperate to prove himself, mm-hmm. so desperate to break off and be the leader of the team and how he's learned how to be a better leader, but he still has some growing to do. And him recognizing it here is crucial um, because otherwise he would have gone on like this forever and he would have yeah. become Batman. Um, the bad parts of Batman to be to be clear. Um, and I do think another thing this will we'll definitely address more next week that this that the um, Into the Breach feels like a finale, but we still have two more episodes. Yeah. So we'll talk about <laughs> that next week more extensively. Um, and yeah, just a repetition again of, of McGann and Superboy, they kind of start that fight in Terminus and it seems like it's just, you know, it's a couple's spat and they're going to have to talk about it. But now they're trying to throw the whole relationship into question again, which is something they're repeating from last season. Um, and they have to resolve in two episodes. So, (laughs) you know, it's some of the stuff in, into the breach is a little bit of a retread. Um, but again, it's not a bad episode by any means. I just think Terminus had it. Speaking about math and all that, especially with the talk conversations about life, of course, this one, because of the fact he has such a crazy explanation about the anti-life equation, uh, felt it might be appropriate to do a little bit of a redo on our anti-life equation conversation. So fun fact, the day that we're recording this is two years to the dates of when we first shared with y'all the anti-life equation. We would lie and say we did the math, but you you would know we were lying and lies hurt. So we're, <laughs> we're not going to say that. Yes, uh, these three episodes have taught us that very well. <laughs> um, but yeah, so anti-life equation redo for y'all, um, especially because as we are probably going to be entering new universes soon with the DC universe and all that, it might be nice to get a little refresher. Um, so once again, in the known universe, there is life. Sound like a very Neil deGrasse Tyson <laughs> <laughs> documentary special there. But in the DC universe, there's also this concept of life equation and anti-life equation. So for the life equation, it's the thing that allows sentient beings to exist. Um, and this kind of got first introduced to the concepts of the fourth world. Uh, this is the stories of like apocalypse and the Genesis. So this is because of the fact that a place like New Genesis exists, which you got introduced to in season and uh, the beginning of season three, where Forager is from. There's this idea that there is a life equation, and since Apocalypse is the complete antithesis of it, or the polar opposite, there has to be an idea of the anti-life equation. Um, so this first comes about when, uh, in the first introduced in the comics in Forever People number five in November of 1971. So for again, the Forever People was a group of people that. The young um, Superboy met back in like season one of Young Justice with like Dreamer and Bear and all of them, who we'll see again. Um, 
so Darkseid has been searching for this anti-life equation for since then. And he believes it to be the thing that he needs to take over the known universe. And it was first believed that the anti-life equation was originally possessed by a man by the name of Billion Dollar Bates. Sounds like he'd have it. Yeah. He used this, I'm assuming, to make his billion dollars. Um, this might also just be from like like for just some capitalism. It sounds like it was just like, hey, iPhone 15, <laughs> no different from the 14, but you still want it. <laughs> uh, so Billion Dollar Bates took this secret, this equation to his grave. And Darkseid has been searching for it the entire time. He first came across an idea about it probably existing when he first had a conversation with some Martians um, who shared with him that there must be some kind of anti-life equation out there since the life equation exists. And during his searching, um, for fans of the Snyderverse, you saw this big battle in, Justice, in Zack Snyder's Justice League in the four-hour-long movie for four many long hours. <laughs> so we forgive you if you forgot about this. Yes. <laughs> um, during this battle, the whole point was that he believed that the there were some portions of the anti-life equation on Earth, mostly buried within the collective minds of humanity, so he figured that by taking over Earth, you'll be able to get those numbers and equations to figure out what the anti-life equation actually is. Now, again, Darkseid has been searching for this since Forever People number five in November of 1971. And I'm here to tell you today that it technically does not exist. Ooh, you're saying the limit does not exist? <laughs> yes. Uh, man, this has been a shocker, I know, um, you know, because in this book, Old Gods and New, a companion to Jack Kirby's Fourth World by John Morrow, there is an interview that Kirby's assistant, Mark Evanier, had where he states that Kirby aimed for it to be a that this thing that Darkseid had been perceiving as a weapon was actually more of a not an intangible spiritual goodness that exists in every religion and every people. Uh, so the whole goal of it, the story that was being told with the anti-life equation in Darkseid's search was that he expected Darkseid's journey to end with him acquiring it through like the killings, the tortures, the conquest, and then ultimately having this weapon in his hands. And then seeing that it says, thou shalt not conquer, making it completely useless for Darkseid's future goals and conflicting with everything that he's ever done. Oh, that would have been hilarious. Yes. <laughs> and it's because the anti-life equation, this whole journey that Darkseid's been on, it's more of an anti-war, anti-imperialistic statement. So think about like those songs that kind of like convey images of war or actually anti-war songs, like uh, I believe like One Tin Soldier back in the 60s. Mm -hmm. um, so and this was because Kirby himself was a Jewish American World War II veteran. And he was actually using this story as a way to grapple with his feelings about evil in the world. Um, and Mark Evanier confirmed that, like, hey, this does not exist because in New Gods number 28, where Mark wrote alongside Rick Holberg, Frank McLaughlin, Steve Montano, and Charles Bennett III, the source of it all states that the essence of the anti-life equation doesn't actually exist because there's only life. And I know that this probably sounds really weird and confusing, hopefully not as confusing as like anti-social pathologies understanding of it. 
But if you want a clear definition of it, like what exactly the whole angle was, I realized watch Kung Fu Panda. Uh, yes, but how will this help me understand math? Well, that's because later on, because people were so upset that this was such a non like specific tangible concept, um, they decided to actually add an equation. <laughs> <laughs> it broke the minds of too many people, I'm assuming. So in 2005, uh, Seven Soldiers, Mr. Miracle by um, Grant Morrison, it actually features the actual numerical equation because they realized that this idea was too much, especially because at this point, Jack Kirby had not finished just telling the story. So in the DC universe, to make people feel better about things, they established this equation of and please if you have a pen or a pencil and some paper here it is write it down loneliness plus alienation plus fear plus despair plus self-worth divided by mockery divided by condemnation divided by misunderstanding times guilt times shame times failure times judgment n equals y where y equals hope and n equals folly love equals lies life equals death and self equals dark side I want to have a nightmare tonight that I'm <laughs> studying for a math test <laughs> and I get there and I don't know anything. Um, so thank you, Dark Side. <laughs> I, I'm part of the equation now. Yeah, so um, usually it's shown as like fire glyphs in, um, in a lot of comics. But this was really just established so that people had some kind of tangible way of determining what the anti-life equation actually is and that's why it just pops up a lot more but more or less it always ends up being the the anti-life equation is just basically taking away free will from people just like we saw in our show today where um granny goodness was able to control them because they felt that uh by the thing that gives life is the fact that you, you are able to do whatever you want so by being able to control everybody that is mastery of anti-life. And many people have owned it amongst Dark Side. Uh, Mr. Miracle has owned it. There are beliefs that telepaths are, are usually people who are very in tune with the anti-life equation because of the fact that they can mind control. Um, so this is where we kind of have this sense of like the taking away of free will. But ultimately, the whole concept of the anti-life equation is that it does not exist. And that's it's just this misguided ideal to share that like there are some evils out there in the world about dealing with conquest. And this is just really just a big sort of F you to those people who are just like, I need to kill and torture in order to get what I want. Well, show them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that is the story of the anti-life equation again about two years later. I think we're still just as confused about it. Hopefully not as confused as anti-social pathologies made it seem. <laughs> uh, but with that, that wraps up our episode. Uh, we are going to continue on for our last two episodes of Young Justice Outsiders uh, next time. So in the meantime, be sure to check us out on our socials. Um, check us out on our Patreon. We are building up some a library over there as well. And in the meantime, take care of yourselves. And remember that if you end up in a fight against a grandma, do not think it's a sure victory. We saw what happened to Beast Boy. I don't think his eye is ever going to be healed. Yes. And if you get so sad over a breakup that you can't even enjoy a delicious glizzy, it's okay to ask for help from a professional. 
And to eat that glizzy, you need that energy. You need that strength, King. Keep going. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again for listening. Yet another DC animated podcast is a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. If you liked what you heard, leave a review and share us with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts and on social media at YADC Animated Pod.